Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations across the country, helping translate vision into reality. I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast, timely episode today, talking about nonprofit organizations, risk management, risk mitigation, how to understand the landscape that you're working in today and make positive decisions for the future. For this conversation, couldn't be joined by anyone better uh, for this conversation than Ted Billich. Ted is the CEO of Risk Alternatives. Ted, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Greg, it's wonderful to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation, especially at this time. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about risk. And I, I think any nonprofit leader, whether they're a board member, executive director, or a staff member listening to the podcast today is highly familiar with the concept of risk when you're leading a nonprofit organization. I'm curious, though, from your perspective, just to get everybody on the same page, how do you define risk when you're talking to nonprofits? You know, it's an important concept because a lot of people fear risk management because they think that risk management is about looking under rocks and trying to find out things that are bad, things that could go wrong. And there's an element of risk management that is a part of that. But when you get it, get to the basics of it, Greg, really, we try to make nonprofits aware of the fact that risk is not a dirty word. Risk is simply uncertainty. It means you can't predict for sure what's gonna happen next. So if risk is uncertainty, you have to account for not only threats, which are those negative risks, those things that could jump out, of, uh, jump out from under rocks, but also opportunities, those things that could come along that could either be a modification of a business process or a new initiative that would have positive potential upside. And so a risk management process then is dealing with both of those things. I think that's such an important point. I think maybe uh, some of us as nonprofit leaders are conditioned uh, to sometimes just look at the at what you define as the negative risk, those things that, you know, the, the monsters in the closet that are ready to, to jump out and get you. But I think it's an important point that there is positive risk as well. And I wonder if maybe you can give us some examples on the positive side of things that you see as positive risk opportunities for nonprofits, and then also things that they should be aware of on the on the flip side, on the negative side. Absolutely. Well, you know, some positives that, uh, that we can identify just in recent times um, are the sorts of initiatives that have been started during the pandemic that have moved certain core functions of nonprofits online. A lot of nonprofits 15 months ago didn't know what Zoom was. Now they have dramatically streamlined their operations by uh, having Zoom conversations with clientele and having Zoom conversations with stakeholders and team members, rather than having sit-down meetings that require a lot of lead time and a lot of follow-up time. So that's one example of a, it's, a, it's an opportunity. It's an upside that is, uh, that, that is there to be grasped if you decide to grasp it. Um, another one that, that we could think of is, there, there's the possibility that's come up over the last 15 months of further collaboration among nonprofits. Uh, people have been looking out to build their network because they feel that uh, they themselves are vulnerable 
So they're looking for others that they can share a little bit of the downside, but in that way, build additional upside by collaborating, whether it is in back office or whether it is programmatic or whether it is in fundraising in some way. So those would be positive risks. Um, if you wanna talk about negative risks, I can tell you we survey nonprofits all around the United States. We try to be very data-driven in what we do. And uh, over and over and over, Greg, the, re uh, the research shows that a couple of risks are absolute at, absolutely at the top of everyone's list. Um, one is getting processes out of people's brains and onto paper. Uh, it is, you know, it's that it's the bus risk <laughs> or right. the lottery risk if you want to be nice. That's the right. idea that that too much knowledge resides in key personnel, and and there is a fear that if that person leaves or is incapacitated, that you end up having to recreate a lot of basic service uh, and and savoir faire. Second one is related, and that is succession planning, um, because uh, especially given the fact that I'm I'm was born in 1964, at the very end of the baby boom, a lot of executive directors are a few years senior to me, and therefore they uh, are really looking to leave over the next couple of years. And in fact, I think they intended to leave within the last two years and have found themselves on because of what COVID has done to their organizations. So having the bravery to talk about succession planning and gathering the headspace to be able to think about those sorts of issues it pops up every time someone inventories their risks. I'm the curious. Third, yeah, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm curious when you talk about the um, the knowledge capture, the need to get knowledge out of the head of just a just a few individuals. That's a conversation that we've been having in in nonprofit circles for for years, right? Yeah. But I think one of the one of the things that the pandemic has highlighted is that has brought that to the forefront. Meaning, we don't know when someone may be incapacitated, when someone may be having to quarantine. For yeah. two weeks, three weeks, longer, longer than that. I'm curious in your work if you've seen just the reality of the situation that we're all living in. Uh, translate that from a conversation that we should be doing X, Y, and Z to actually uh, taking action on these issues. I've had some of some of my favorite clients. Maybe they're my favorite clients because they take my advice. But some of my favorite clients have been combining some of the things we've already talked about, Greg in order to achieve some of that knowledge capture. Now, one of the things that we don't think about all the time when we use Zoom is that Zoom can be a recording. And therefore, you can turn a routine staff interaction into a knowledge capture very, very easily. You can have what amounts to a brain dump from the person who has the information in their mind to someone more junior or someone who is teamed with them. And that junior or teamed person could be tasked with simply taking the brain, the brain dump and translating that into 
two pages of bullet points about how we do the monthly close, how we do the standard thank you letter to, right. to a donor, how we do the uh, creation of the board agenda. And so, yeah, I think that there really have been some organizations who have realized that, that they can take this opportunity when they're saving a little bit of time in commuting to actually get their act together. Uh, so I don't know. Have you seen the same thing? I, I have, as a matter of fact, and I think that that's a great um, that's a great example of using a challenge as an opportunity. You know, right? It, it, transforming the reality of what we're we're dealing with into let's make something good out of this. Let let's advance the ball in the organization in some way. There's a flip side though, right? We're all working, or most of us are working remotely. A lot of nonprofit staffs are working remotely. And technology, while it is a tremendous benefit, can also be a tremendous risk. And so I'm curious how you've seen nonprofits wrestle with the flip side of technology. How do we protect client information? How do we make sure that our processes, our systems are secure um, for the type of work that we type of work that we do? Well, it, it is one of the top risks that nonprofits face. And it's not a matter of if, it really is a matter of when. Um, there, there, there will be times when there is data leakage from any nonprofit that is of any substantial size. Um, and so one of the, 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 so there are two aspects to this. First, how do you address the technology to, so that you have a plausible story that you were doing what was reasonable mm -hmm. uh, so that when that breach occurs, you aren't found to, to have been truly negligent in some way? Um, that's one half of it. The, the other half of it would be, you know, have we, have we tabletopped? Have we done a scenario that, that uh, involves this? in order to see how we would currently react uh, and see whether there are things that we could put in place that would make us more agile in the face of, of that sort of downside risk manifesting. Uh, and so, you know, to, to give you just a little more on that, uh, Greg, start a staff meeting by saying, okay, we're gonna, for, for the next half hour, we're gonna talk about this situation. Um, we've just had a data breach. And furthermore, we've, we have a lockout. We can't get to any of our data. So what happens? And just see how people respond in that staff meeting. It's interesting. You know, we're, we're recording this this morning. I was taking my daughters to school and listening to the radio, and they were talking about um, how there was a ransomware attack on, a, on an oil pipeline, and, and gas prices are going to shoot up on the East Coast. Um, and I know that that can be a reality, maybe on a different scale, different level for nonprofit organizations as well. How real is the threat? How real is the risk for organizations, nonprofits, when it comes to uh, online risk, online technology uh, breaches, data breaches, things like that? I think the I think the risk is substantial. I can't quantify it. Uh, I know there are people who attempt to quantify it. I don't think it is as substantial for a ransomware attack if you're a small nonprofit as it is for an unforced error. You know, there was a food bank out West that inadvertently released to the general public the names, addresses, credit cards, and, and PIN numbers of a whole bunch of donors. Not a good way to start out a campaign. Right. Um, 
and and that was that was unforced user error uh, rather than some nefarious person going in and and uh, and manipulating the data. Um, in that way, Greg, you know, I think that that being able to have a conversation internally about what are our best practices when we deal with uh, with sensitive data. That's always worth having, and that doesn't cost a nonprofit anything at all. Okay, we've talked a lot so far about um, staff members and and how to think about risk and how to talk about risk in the staff meeting. Let's not leave the board out here. You know, I think sometimes one of my critiques um, when it comes to risk management is sometimes I see boards take a very narrow view of risk management. It's a topic that comes up when the insurance policy is due to be renewed, when the, you know, the, 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 the evaluators are out there, or God forbid there's been an incident. How do you see or what's a healthy practice for nonprofit leaders and board members to properly talk about um, risk management for an organization at that broader strategic level, at the board level? You know, Greg, good point. Uh, when you look at best practice standards, you look at independent, uh, independent sectors, principles for good, they talk about risk management and they specify that it is the board of the organization that is responsible for ensuring that a nonprofit has a risk management process in place that it's identifying its, uh, its most important risks and that it's following through on those risks. Now, I agree with all of that. Um, I do think that a nonprofit board has a critical role in risk management. I do, however, think it is somewhat constrained. Um, a nonprofit board is supposed to do three things. Number one, it's supposed to make sure staff is doing the risk management on a day-to-day -day basis, that where the rubber meets the road, there is identification of threats and opportunities, prioritization of those, following through to respond, and doing that over and over again. So they need to make sure that the, the, the staff is doing its job. Second, obviously, the, non, the nonprofit board has to weigh in on the most important threats and opportunities. Not everything, but the most important ones. And then third, uh, to your earlier point, the, the nonprofit board needs to set the tone at the top that governance, that risk management, that compliance are serious topics and that uh, the organization as a whole, a whole is going to hold itself to, uh, to strong standards. That said, though, you know, my mantra that I picked up from someone else in this, this region or in this area is Boards should be nose in, but hands off. They, they should ask questions, but they should not take risk management as an invitation to micromanage. I, I think that's, uh, it's very similar to a phrase that I often share with boards is that you know, the healthiest boards that I know are the ones that are willing to ask short questions and listen to long answers. Love right? it. Because that's what we're that. talking about. You know, these are not uh, th these are not quick conversations. We want boards to be engaged. We want them to ask the tough questions and make sure that they feel comfortable with the risk, uh, you know, the risk appetite of the organization, the risk management of the organization. But we also want them to give leaders the freedom to make decisions within those guardrails. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Like I said, I am going to steal that. I'll attribute it, but I'm going to use it. I appreciate it. I'm sure I stole it from someone else along the way. So it it probably has about four levels of attribution necessary at this point. Um, But, you know, it's interesting, though, because it's important, I think, for boards to talk about the positive aspects of risk that you mentioned as well. And it strikes me that just like you were talking about, um, you know, these conversations presenting an opportunity to scenario plan and to role play different different things, same thing can apply for the board as well. You know, oh, just yeah. as we, you know, what would happen in a board meeting that was called because of an emergency? What would happen? Who's going to speak for the organization if God forbid there's a, a crisis or other uh, disaster that has befallen us? Those those types of uh, exercises seem to be highly relevant for both boards and staffs, just at different levels. I could not agree more. In fact, I think that that those organizations who feel that their boards are not engaged, if they went down the path of having those sorts of conversations, I think you'd find your board lighting up. And I think you'd find your board dramatically more engaged because they wouldn't be feeling like they were simply potted plants with checkbooks. Instead, they would be people thinking through potential challenges. And they'd be thinking in terms of the story. And a story always makes people connect better than raw data does. So So I love the idea of scenario planning. Ted, when you go in and and you work with a nonprofit organization, what are you looking for that tells you this organization has a solid risk management plan in place? What are some of the hallmarks there that you look for? Sure. Well, you know, when you boil down the background standards, both in the private sector and the nonprofit sector, really a risk management process is simply a a defined commitment to identify threats and opportunities, prioritize them, respond to them, assess and approve, and do that on a regular cadence. If an organization has that sort of process, then they're in really good shape. Now, I have to say, most organizations don't have that. Uh, In the private sector, uh, they they have the luxury of of being able to have 35 or 40% overhead. Here in the nonprofit sector, because of the starvation cycle, we push overhead ever narrower. Um, So many nonprofits only address risk if it comes up or uh, worse yet, they don't really talk about it at all until there's an emergency. I, you know, it, it strikes me that a lot of what we're talking about in this conversation, you know, we've, we've mentioned strengths, risks, and opportunities. A lot of the same terms we use when we talk about strategic planning for nonprofits. In your view, is there a fair amount of overlap between risk management and, and ongoing strategic planning for an organization? They are highly complementary. Um, one way that I, that I um, analogize risk management to strategic planning when someone doesn't know what risk management is, is I say, well, you remember when you were doing your strategic plan, you did a SWOT analysis. Well, imagine the SWOT analysis made regularized and temporal so that it's not done once a year or once every three to five years in a cycle, but instead is done in a regular cadence once every two weeks or four weeks or so, depending on the needs of the organization. So that's one way in which the the terminology is is very, very similar, Greg. But additionally, 
to me, strategic planning is about deciding which mountains you're going to conquer um, and what your benchmarks are for the, the path along the way to conquering those mountains. Risk management then by analogy is the pathfinding and the uh, mountaineering that is required as you go along the path to get to the results you've in, you intend to achieve. So they do fit hand in glove in that way in that you know, without risk management, uh, a strategic plan is just a strategic hope. Without some sort of ultimate goals, risk management, while very valuable, is simply going to allow you to continue to do the things you do with fewer and fewer unforced errors and perhaps to build opportunities in an incremental way. But that's why I say they are highly complementary. So before we wrap up, as nonprofits are navigating the pandemic right now and planning for the future of what, what that might look like, um, how have you found most effective to complement those two things, to complement planning and, and risk management together? Well, I think that, that there is a, an exercise that uh, nonprofits could do at the staff level and the board level. And it's, again, it's something that doesn't cost money. Uh, it, it's, it costs just a little bit of time. And we call it lean scenario planning. The idea is not to predict what the future will be. Instead, it's to hypothesize a couple of possible futures and then ask some questions about that. So to do the exercise, Greg, you might say it's September of this year and uh, COVID, for whatever reason, is in the rearview mirror. Uh, let's ask three questions about that. Number one, how likely does everyone who's participating, how likely do they think that is? Now, that sounds like you're asking for prediction, but really what you're doing is you're going around the room and you're trying to unearth assumptions about, about why people feel the way they do about a potential future. And that might lead to research questions and things like that. Second question that you want to ask is, if that scenario comes true and it is September, what would we want to be prepared to do then? What new initiatives would we want to do? How would we want to be dealing with staffing and all this stuff? Um, and, and so you, you, that question allows you to give advice to your future self. You know, it, rather than dealing with that in an emergency, we'd, basis we'd all love to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, that second question says, what would we want to be doing if we were clear headed at that point? And then the third question is based on those other two, how likely this is and what we'd want to be doing now or doing then, what should we be doing now to address that potential future? So, you know, for instance, everyone would want to have a fundraiser in September. Um, everyone will want to be fully staffed in September. Uh, everyone will want to make sure that, that they've checked in with all of their stakeholders in September. Well, okay, those, those are critical things. But there's real salience to that, that scenario right now, because if there's even the possibility of that coming true, 
you got to believe there's going to be no one in your office from about June 15th until September 1st, because for the first time in 15 months, people are going to actually get a chance to take a vacation. So if you're going to be thinking about what would we want to do then and what should we be doing now, it's not a five-month runway. It's about a month and a half. Right. And, and, you, and you could do that at the staff level, Greg. You could do it at the board level. You could do it uh, with a complementary negative scenario. Oh no, there's a resurgence. What would we want? Uh, what would we want to be doing then? Those sorts of things. And the exercise can just be incredibly powerful at the staff level and incredibly powerful at the board level. Outstanding advice, Ted. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. If there, uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you directly, get more information about risk management, figure out how they're going to take the first steps on that on that journey towards scenario planning. How can folks get hold of you? Uh, two ways are real easy. One is our website is riskalts.com. That's R-I-S-K-A-L-T-S.com. And you can find me there. The other place they can find me is I'm always on LinkedIn. If you simply search for Ted Billich, there's only one of me on LinkedIn. And, and I'd be delighted to, to connect with anyone who's listening. Absolutely. Well, Ted, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, share your wisdom and your insights with us today. This is uh, Ted Billich joining us from Risk Alternatives. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate your support, your communication. Um, always appreciate a positive rating and review on, on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and look forward to many exciting episodes to come. want everybody out there to stay safe, stay well, and we'll be back soon.